In the watch fam, there's a lot of different kinds of collectors. Collectors that revolve around a theme, say Japanese built watches, or a certain model or reference number to a specific brand. And then there are others who collect certain eras of watches. Typically, these are considered vintage collectors. And today's guest knows a thing or two about vintage. His name is Jared. He goes by the handle Buying on Time. He's a vintage watch collector, a vintage watch seller, and a friend of ours in the watch fam. You've tuned into the Bellingham Podcast miniseries, The Watch Fam, brought to you by The Analog Explorer. Read about my analog manifesto through my photography and my passions of travel and watches in print or now as a digital magazine at theanalogexplorer.com. Now, Jared's story of coming into watches starts with something that innately is usually in most of us in the watch fam, and that is collecting. Whether it's starting off with baseball cards or other kind of memorabilia, usually within a watch collector, the essence of collecting stems from something in our pasts. And sometimes it's because of our pasts that we look to vintage timepieces for a connection to perhaps who wore it before us, whether we knew the person or not. Sometimes just having a timepiece connects us back to another era, uh, maybe a time that we wish we could have back. And we're going to hear a little bit more about this from Jared. But also in our conversation, we kind of boil down something when it comes to timepieces, especially vintage ones. Inherent value, the actual value of the thing, and inherited value, the priceless nature that we place on things like timepieces passed down through families. And of course, regardless of what the watch is and what era it comes from, we talk a little bit about story, the fact that we tend to gravitate towards timepieces with story and we put it a value on that. And the value that we have with other people who connect with us through our timepieces, as well as asking about the story behind these pieces that we wear. But again, I'm always presented with the question, why watches? The lines between collecting and selling get blurred, uh, you know, sometimes to my dismay, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, so you're, you're, you go by the handle buying on time. And so, I mean, what do you call yourself? Are you a, a vintage reseller? What, what is buying on time? Well, you know, buying on time, I really, you know, it started from, from obviously, a, you know, kind of an interest and a passion in watches, in vintage watches. Um, I probably would have to go back to, to how that started, I probably had a couple of watches uh, growing up. Def not many when I was younger. So I, I probably got a gift or two, like in high school, just some little battery powered watch or this or that, that would be, you know, look nice to dress up with type thing, but just, just an inexpensive watch. And never, they never really grew on me then. Uh, I was constantly playing sports and was off going out fishing and doing all sorts of things, working on my truck and wound up that eventually once I started working full time, which I used to work in the accounting field, which wasn't completely my personality, but I, I knew I needed a job when I graduated college. So that kind of factored into things a little bit. But when my, my brother picked up a, I think it was an Orient, probably one of the Orient, uh, one of the black rays. Uh, I don't think it was a maker. I think it was the black rays, you know, just kind of one of their semi sub style watches. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he bought one of those and, and, uh, 
he probably he had some he had a few watches here and there that he that he kind of wore but that was like hey i'll get a nice new kind of cool you know water resistant kind of watch and 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 after he did that i had already been loosely collecting vintage baseball cards and and so i'm the kid i I got three brothers i'm the middle kid and i spent hours and hours just over my my youth asking my dad questions about what it was like when he grew up so just nonstop, I probably asked him a trillion questions. And the ones that always picked up on me because I was playing so much sports is who he liked, who were his favorite players, what teams did he like, and collecting cards came along with that. I say collecting loosely because, you know, they could, tra- they could have a Mickey Mantle in their hand one day and trade it and it be in some kid's bicycle spoke the next. Oh, no. <laughs> but, but, you know, they, he would always, uh, he never, had a, never had a value attached to those things. You know, you wanted, you wanted whoever was hot more than the, the perennial all-star because, you know, there was no value. You just want to be up on things. So we would just constantly talk about those things. And that, that kind of led to a, a moderate uh, vintage baseball card collection. And so I just had a real appreciation for the older stuff, the older I got. That, for, for whatever reason, when my brother picked up that watch, I thought, maybe I need to get a watch. I'm out working now. Maybe I should wear a watch every day to work. This is probably going on at least six, probably seven years ago or somewhere in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first thing I said. And I can, I can literally remember saying to my brother, I wonder if they have old watches like this because I had no clue. I mean, it, it sounds weird because I've, I've done so much in less than a decade, you know, less than this last decade. Um, but that was literally the question that I asked was, I wonder if they have old watches like this because in my mind it was, Oh, they got these new cars coming out, but I like the old 67 Firebirds. You know, right, they, right. I did. it was just, I, I liked the new stuff, but I always, the, the kind of glint in my eye was always the older, the older things uh, from the time, you know, just really the time period of my dad growing up through the 60s and 70s. Collecting, you know, has a lot of different degrees to it. I'm, I probably fit into some of them, but, you know, there's others where I kind of, pass on at least at least for now but it goes into that and and then it just really came into I started working on some of my watches or replacing something that wasn't original and and these type of things and then I turn around and go okay well I'll sell this one so I can pick up another one or ultimately I had people come to me hey I saw you did this could you do that for me and it kind of went down went down that road um I guess the way that I get around it is I tell people, Hey, I don't sell anything that I don't like. Hmm. So, so if I'm selling, so, so whatever watches that I'm selling, whether I'm going to keep it long term, you know, which is generally, I can't for all of them, but whether I'm going to keep it or sell it, I'm kind of getting my collector fix right, right. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere in there. So it, it's kind of the lines are blurred, but the buying on time discussion was, I guess you got to realize I'm in North Carolina, so grew up pretty, pretty rurally, you know, not in the middle of, of nowhere, but compared to maybe a lot of people listening, uh, you might think, oh, he's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. But I started my business at the, at the beginning of 2016. So I, I think, I believe I was pondering what, what should I name this? You know, I was trying to find something kind of catchy 
I can, I can just, I can just envision you now, the top of the Blue Ridge Mountain, <laughs> with the, the mist coming in, and, yeah, and, yeah. and it just dawned on you. It was, it was something like that. It was just a. <laughs> I don't think I was just going through songs. I think I probably heard it on the radio, and I was listening to Alan Jackson's uh, one of his songs, and it's, and it says, "Living on love, buying on time." Oh, nice. That that's part of that's part was part of the lyrics, and I'm like, man, you know, that's so true. Um, just kind of like my personal views, um, you know, and, and being religious and stuff, I thought, man, that, you know, that's really true. We all are buying on time. You know, we've only got so much, that's, that's the old phrase, you know, for buying on credit that they used decades ago. Hmm. If you were buying on time, you were putting, you were putting a purchase on credit and, and you were, you were having to pay somebody based on the time that you were borrowing the money. So if you, so if you had store credit with, with the local hardware store, whatever, you know, it was, you were buying on time. Hmm. And so, but that's, that, that kind of more modern has been kind of translated into, you know, we're all buying on time. We're all, we've only got so much time and those type of things. So that's really where, where that whole kind of concept came from too, which is random. I know, but, um, I thought it was catchy. It stuck in my mind anyway, as you can tell. No, dude, that's a that's a killer story, man. Like I could just I could just totally see you listening to Alan Jackson on the top of the Blue Ridge Mountains. I'm just saying, I can totally see it. Yeah. Hey, happens all the time. I mean, gosh, I didn't I didn't know hardly any, many other uh, types of music existed when I was little. That's that's <laughs> that's how so used you were just riding in, riding in your car or your uncle's pickup truck or whatever, and it was on the radio. I didn't know there was any. I didn't know there were any other options. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we all grow from our past. That's right. Uh, so, so I gotta know. So, if if you if you are a, a purveyor of buying on time, what does what does a guy who has uh, a taste for the vintage and an an itch that is perpetually being scratched, like a perpetual calendar, what do you yeah. have on your wrist right now? Believe it or not, and and most people are shocked, but I when I'm around the shop and everything a lot, I've got so many clocks and watches running that I a lot of times unless I'm testing a watch out, I won't have one on. Whoa. Yeah. If I'm at the shop now, if I if I if I hop in the car and I'm gonna go somewhere, I'm gonna run out, uh, go into town, drop stuff off for shipment, you know, do these type of things. I'll usually put something on. But if I'm just at the house. And, and in my shop and, and doing work, man, I've got so many watches everywhere that I don't even put one on a lot of times. <laughs> well, I guess, that, I guess some, some in the watch fam would see that that's a, that's a good problem to have really. I mean, <laughs> I bet if, I bet if I do a 360 in my chair, I bet I can see 45 watches at least. Spanning what, what eras? Uh, they're generally, I mean, m- my sweet spot on those are, are typically, 60s plus or minus you know a decade there's there's not much that i don't like uh so so i've got i got all sorts of things it's actually how like i first like found you out i don't know if you remember this oh, yeah yes yeah yeah i was building i was building my watch for my son and uh, i think it was like keyless issue number 362 yep and seriously like I, out of the blue uh, you, you just DM'd me and you're like, oh man, like if you need a stem, just let me know. Like I will, I will, I'll be more than glad to help you out. And I'm like, who is this guy? Like, yeah. who, why is this guy doing <laughs> I don't know. North Carolina? Like I've only been there once. Like who, yeah. so I, look, I looked you up and like, you know, I, we, we DM'd a few times. And I was like, dude, like, thanks. Like, yeah. and, that's, and that's kind of the general trend that I've, I've been weaving into this podcast is that, you know, it's funny that you meet some of the nicest people in this, col- in, in this collecting community. Absolutely genuinely like we're we're willing to share we're willing to 
you know, spitball things. We're willing to, you know, listen to vent because these little mechanical automatons are uh, possessed at times and like to break on a moment's notice, even if you look at them. And, yep. you know, that, that's how I, I, I met you. But um, I've, like, met, I've met so, I, I would say I talked to watch guys that I've gotten to be friends with more regularly than about, about anybody probably to be, to be completely honest with you. I've met so many, so many nice guys and people I've gotten to be friends with. And that really is, is what it was about for me in, in starting out. I knew that it was because I liked learning about the watches. I enjoyed problem solving and getting into some of the things that the watches needed. And I was willing to get myself into a little trouble, you know, pulling something apart that I wasn't very sure about in, in the course of that is probably in the same vein of, of, of sending you that message months, months ago. It was probably been over a year now, hasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, it has. It's been about two. <laughs> I haven't talked yeah, about yeah. it. I mean, just flies by, you know, that was probably the same thing. I'm thinking this guy's, you know, building a watch, you know, for that he's going to give to his son. And, you know, there's, there's multiple um, times that, that things like that have happened. And if I heard that somebody got into a situation, it was always kind of like my soft spot, like, man, help somebody out They're They're doing something, you know, they're, they're doing something for the enjoyment. They're trying to learn. And then they're on top of it. They're trying to help somebody else out even though, you know, whether it be family or, you know, that type thing. Um, I, I never could bring myself to really not help somebody out with a, whether it was a family heirloom or something that they needed help with, because that to me is what is the most enjoyable about watches. Having something that you like because you enjoy it and, or you want to get, you know, pass it on to your kids or, any of those things, you know, just for the sheer enjoyment of a timepiece, that really is what it boils down to more for me uh, than anything. But at the same time, like vintage, vintage also carries its own cost, right? Because you've got, yes. you kind of got two, two costs when it comes to vintage. You've got the cost of um, like the physical value of it, but then yep. they add a whole bunch of, of collectors who uh, collect vintage, not because of its inherent cost, but inherited costs, like the lineage, the providence of, of yeah, uh, yes, right. you know, like I'm thinking like Paul Newman's Paul Newman, right? Like that thing, yeah. and its case back is the and the fact that it was owned by Paul Newman and the whole story, like the the person at auction that that shelled out that much money, you know, yeah, it's a it's a it's a Rolex Daytona, cool. It's a Rolex Daytona by Paul Newman. Well, we know that in, in the family collection, there's several other uh, Daytonas, but yep. it was that one given by his wife with that case engraving that was worn by him in those films and then was lost to time, no pun intended, for a little yep. bit there. Like that itself, especially in vintage, is, is unique. Like you said, if it's passed down through generations, right? Like I have my, my grandfather's timepiece and there is, I mean, there's probably not much uh, inherent value to it, but inherent uh -huh. value, it's priceless to me. Oh, for sure. And, and I mean, I mean, for me, like that's, that's what's really cool about these little pieces of technology because you know, at the end of the day, you're right. A lot of things, especially with quartz and electric, the disposable economy kind of crept in. And, mm -hmm. you know, with before that, like these things, you know, took a lick in and keep on ticking, no pun intended. Yeah. But, but with all that said, I mean, Jared, the one thing that I'm weaving within all of these episodes is, you know, for you, 
one question. Why watches? Gosh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, I think, I think just the way that what the watches brought to me daily, um, you know, I've, I've never been a big collector of anything. I, I did, I did get into kind of the old baseball cards, like I had mentioned, but, um, the vintage watches were something that, that I could, I, I would say by and large, I would say, I would say half of it in all honesty was the feeling that it brought to me being able to wear something that, that, you know, my a family member or that my dad could have literally seen that watch on some guy's wrist going to, you know, his coach at t-ball practice or, um, you know, one of his teachers at school or the guy walking down downtown of the briefcase going to a meeting they, you know, they didn't have this, they didn't have, or, or most didn't have this concept of, of kind of that, um, you know, inherent value, like you're talking about it, but, but it was functional. They were all tool. It's kind of, it's kind of funny when we, when we call things tool watches, watches. but, but but a lot of these watches were, I mean, there are tools. It's, it's there, you know, it's not much different than having a slide rule in your pocket or this, that, I mean, it's a tool for what it is and people used it. They treated it that way. They had them repaired that way. It wasn't, oh, keep this original. Don't touch this. Don't replace the crown. You know, if the crown was worn, you didn't get asked. It was just, oh, when it comes in for service. Uh, yeah, it's, ter- it's terribly hard to turn, to turn the crown to wind it. I'm not going to give it back to you that way. You know, it was fixed and went on. And, no, you know, and so um, I think that being able to wear something so much older than me that had a story no matter how simple and and you know my family you know we come from uh kind of simple you know pretty you know more country folk as you might say i mean for the most part you know um we've we you know i've had family members that have had you know good jobs and done these things but you know just kind of the roots that we have it was it was um you know, it was just pretty, pretty simple, just uh, family oriented people. And so it was never, it was never really about the value or how, how I could buy something and try to just turn around and make a big profit. But you're, you're literally just wearing a story that somebody has. Um, and, and the vast majority of the time, you, you don't know what that story is. If we employ a little imagination, you know, like, like you and I, when we were kids, the, the, I've got a daughter myself who's, you know, going on two years old. We didn't have nearly all the stuff that they have for kids today. Oh, you know? no, so, right? Okay, you spent a whole other level now. You spent so much time, whether you were with your sibling, if you had one or a friend, but so much time even by yourself, whether it be in your room, out in the backyard, somewhere, and you had to use your imagination or you were probably going to be a bored kid. <laughs> oh, completely. And much like I said on the show, I dare not say the B word around my, my, my dad because if you're bored, well, I'll put a hammer in your hand and we'll get to work. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. And I, I have found anything and everything to do to keep myself occupied. And he still managed to get a, a, a hammer in my hand. Yes, no, no, but but really it, that whole that whole kind of mindset, and I, I think those the generations that that 
more so the generation that kind of stemmed from those type of childhoods, you, you didn't have to know the story of the watch to appreciate it because you could, you could imagine. And it, and it didn't have to be, you know, a grand fairy tale. I didn't have to pretend, you know, I don't have to pretend with these watches that I have that, that, uh, that a Steve McQueen or, you know, a Paul Newman owned it. But I can think about the guy who came back from military service and his parents gave it to him for a Christmas gift. Um, office, uh, you know, and, and business awards or kind of thank you gifts for retirements and all, all sorts of things. These things, that, that person didn't have to be anybody notable. Right. But the fact that it had purpose, you know, the fact that that had, it wasn't just, I need a watch, I'm going to go by and pick one up. I'm sure that that happened with a lot of watches, but when you're looking at some of these, they're, they're overwhelmingly by tradition have had more to them than that. Gifts, watches have been used as, used as gifts, you know, mechanical watches for what? How long? I don't know where, I don't even really know when it began. It's probably, it's probably hundreds of years old, but you know, just traditionally speaking, there was always something about that. And the flip side, there are, lots of, of women's watches that were given as gifts and they just meant something. People held on, held on to them for, for a long time. I've, we've got family member, female family members, they're old little thin bracelet watches Yeah, yeah. Um, from the thirties and forties and they kept them. And so I just find it interesting that when you look at the scheme of gifts, it's kind of interesting that, that decades after a lot of these stopped running and then they never serviced them again, but people don't, people don't get rid of them. You know, it means something. And so that's, that's just what's, what's interesting. It's just, here's something that was appreciated enough to still exist and be sitting here in front of me, not gotten scrapped. And I think it comes down to it when it comes to like collecting, collecting, it comes down to like, do you own the watch or anything really? Because it's a good example of a piece or do you own it because that piece specifically is meaningful to you? Like that's, that's the inherited uh, part, right? Like Paul Newman, Newman, that one specifically that, that Rolex Daytona, that that's what makes it it. You can get a same, a a similar era uh, uh, Daytona and it's still a Daytona, but the meaning behind it, uh, or the 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 significance of it, if it's inherited, like you said, like if you're, yeah. you're you know the one that you wore at your daughter's birth, like that one, like yeah. there, yes, there's lots of pieces like that, but for you, like that one, yeah. there's there is no replacement for that one. Sure, you can get one that's a similar example, but it's not that one. And yeah, I, think- I mean, you you can you know any amount of money can get you most anything, right? <laughs> at some point any amount of money can get you a physical object in your hand, but you know, you can't get those memories back. You know, you can't get those times back. And that, that's a lot of what, you know, means something to me. My, my dad's got one of my, uh, my grand, my late grandfather's watch that uh, he had, and I've actually got it over here cause I was, it's an Accutron and I'm replacing the battery in it. And I can just remember the story, you know, of him telling me how, you know, he had, he'd kind of mentioned, you know, hinted to my grandmother that he, you know, wanted that watch and kind of thought about it. And it was kind of like, no way, like we can't afford that. You know, when those things came out, they were $200. Sure. So, I mean, you know, $150, $200. And this was, his models maybe like a 74 or something. 
Um, and it is all seventies, man. It is, it is, you know, probably, I think it's probably electro gold, electroplated, you know, oh, yeah. Yeah, kinda, yeah, yeah. kind of like the, I don't, it, it's got kind of a striped, um, dial. I don't know if it's kind of got burnishing on it. You know, they did a lot of burnish dials back then. Um, but I think she ended up getting that for him for Christmas or something. And he was just on cloud nine, but I mean, you know, you're talking about, he probably, I don't know, you know, probably brought home $75 a week. Right. Right. Or something. You know, I mean, you, you, yeah, you live, you live modestly, you know, you never, you weren't, you weren't necessarily trying to be, you know, rich. You, you took care of your family and you ate and you, you know, enjoyed each other's company. And, you know, he was very, he's very, he's extremely good at what he did, but you know, there wasn't a, there wasn't the excess that there is today. Hmm. Um, so it was, you know, that was a big deal to him. So, you know, that, that's something that my dad has, you know, he holds in his hand that, you know, he can just remember the conversations going on about it and he can remember the day that he got it. And, you just can't buy that. You know, you just can't buy those things. Exactly. And that's where I was going is that the, the 031 that's on my wrist right now, you know, uh, you know, someday I'll tell that the story like, you know, you know, son, I originally tried to make you this other watch and I wrecked it. And, but out of it, like I, I was able to work my way to what I've got and it's a better representation. And it's just, it just added to the story. Oh, absolutely. And again, it comes back to that inherited versus inherent value, you know, like, yeah, it's now it's just a Seiko, but you know, it's dad's or the one that I built them, you know, eventually the PNW 001, like that was yeah. my homage. And it, I borrowed from a lot of different design cues and I wanted it to be Swiss powered. So I got a, a Salida SW200. Yeah. Even to this day, that keyless issue still flares up every so often. Yeah. Um, but that's part of the journey. Like, and that's, that's what's really cool about looking at, you know, vintage pieces or, you know, looking at these time pieces, because you're right, it does, it does have the ability for somebody within a generation to have that connection back using a thing that isn't as the size of a car, right? Like, you know, I would love to have like my dad's vintage Corvette that he used to own back in the day, but also yeah. to carry that through the generations, that takes a lot of time, no, no pun intended, a lot of time and investment yeah. base. Whereas these tools, you know, it, it's a lot easier to be able to, to build an heirloom into something as small and as convenient and as useful as just a simple watch. Oh, that's, yeah, that's undoubtedly true. And it's, it's one of those things, honestly, you know, I get a lot of people that will in some form or fashion ask something like, I don't know if the conversation is what kind of watches should I buy or, Oh yeah. Yeah. What, 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 what should I do here or what should I do? And it inevitably comes back to look, if you're not, you're never going to enjoy a watch that, that stresses you out. Number one, whether it's too valuable and you're just nervous Nelly over it all the time, um, or, or something that you're holding on to the idea of it a little too hard. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're never going to enjoy it. You know, and I tell people get something like, when they go, well, what should I get next? Or what do you think I should, what are the next couple watches I should get? And I'm like, if you haven't got something in your, in your case, that is a watch that you like, that you either 
could care less what other people think about, or maybe it's one, maybe you need to find one that you've never heard anybody mention before. You've never seen it before. Don't go looking for somebody's opinion on it. Yeah. Find, find one that you like, that you're like, man, that one just kind of hits everything that I like. And then don't ruin it by looking up anything. I mean, yeah. outside of, you know, maybe try to understand, okay, what movement does it have inside? You know, can I, if I needed to repair it, but yeah, but don't, don't, you know, people, people, you know, it's, it's, I think it's part of the, of the social media culture, you know, it's just kind of a byproduct of it. You're constantly, you're constantly holding something in your hand and then kind of looking over to the guy to the left and right of you and going, huh, what do you think? Huh? What do you think? And at some point you're going to, you'll, you'll direct too much of, of this stuff. And I guess it goes for anything, but you'll direct, you'll base too much and kind of predicate it on what other people think. And you're just not going to enjoy it. You know, you're, you're just, you're going to have reservations or you're going to tie up money in a lot of watches that are popular to everybody else. And I think uh, one of the other interviews that I had, you know, enjoy it. That, that's what the whole, that's the whole point of this thing is the, it, it's, it's form and function. That's what's great about yep. these timepieces is you can pick an aesthetic or vintage. And if that's what you like, wear it. If you like gold plated bulevas with yeah. forks, wear it. If it just yeah. because quartz doesn't mean that it's, it's any right, wrong or indifferent. If you like it, wear it and use it. Really, you know, you, you pull out some of these watches from these decades and you really alter what the future of the watches would be. I mean, that's just part of the history that we've got of these brands and of these styles. And it got us from one point to another. There's really no watches that I'm ever like, man, you know, yeah. um, th there's, there's a lot that from the aspect of, well, I don't know if I can keep that one running forever or, sure. you know, I, there's no parts for that. I mean, those were kind of chuck away watches. I really think those probably hold the least esteem is when you got into the cheap watches and everybody went to courts or everybody went, you know, you just got a lot that were like, mm, there's not really parts for it. Just throw it away and buy another nine ninety nine watch. Yeah. Um, but you know, there, there's just a lot to it, but yeah, you, you got to appreciate some of the different stuff and, and everything's gonna, everything kind of comes full circle. You know, there's my daughter and if we have more kids get, get older and you know, it's not going to be the sixties and seventies Camaros will kind of be like, oh, okay, well everybody's like this for a while, but those 85 Camaros, they're hot. You know, <laughs> there, there's going to be a time where the ones now we're like, no pass on that. Get the good one. You know, where people are going to say, Hey, these have been neglected for so long. Why aren't they more popular? And you know, all it takes is some guy who's in a movie to have a, have a souped up 85 Camaro. And then you're going to have people going, Hey, let's pick these things up. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Thanks Jared for coming on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You know, if there's any, anybody who ever needs, you know, kind of some, some help or some direction or, you know, n nobody ever needs to be a, be a stranger when it comes to me. That wraps up this special edition of the Bellingham Podcast. Thank you again so much for listening to us, rating us, reviewing us, wherever you like to get your podcast. Remember, if you're in the Bellingham area, you might be listening to us on KMRE 102.3 FM, Low Power. Community radio here in the heart of the city by the Salish Sea. And also remember that this mini-series is brought to you by The Analog Explorer. Find out more about my analog manifesto through my photography, my love of travel, and of course, 
my tick for watches. You can read about it in a digital magazine or in print at theanalogexplorer.com. And that also concludes this five-part mini-series on the Watch Fam. I really hope that you've enjoyed. And as always, check out the previous episodes and check the show notes for links to all the people that I interviewed and take a look at their work in horology. You'll be hearing Chris and I back on the mic on our normal episodes of the Bellingham Podcast next week. Thank you again so much for tuning in. I'm AJ Barce, and we will see you next week.